0: Now, I have to be honest, this is the fifth time I've tried to start this solo podcast. So we're gonna take a slightly different approach. I got enough coffee in me now, so that's step one. Step two, I'm gonna light up this Mapacho, which is Peruvian sacred tobacco, a different plant than normal tobacco, which I'm hoping is gonna help me out here because um, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, I leave for Peru again tomorrow and we launched an ayahuasca documentary today that I've been working on for two years. And so, um, you know, lighting up this Peruvian Mapacho, I think, is really going to set the tone here. So um, I'm going to light this thing up and we're going to have a cool uh, one sided conversation here, (laughs) Um, which is always a a challenging podcast to do. You know, I I have a lot of admiration for those people on radio that can just kind of talk and and rant about different things. But um, I really just want to fill you guys in. And, um, you know, there's uh, a lot to lot to get out there. So um let's do this thing let's do this thing let's have some fun oh yeah i think that's going to help the coffee the mapacho a little nicotine a little caffeine i think we'll get through this so i definitely want to talk about this documentary um it's been two years in the making and i did not expect it to be two years and there's a lesson in that, you know. I think one thing I've learned over and over in business is anything you think is going to be like quick and easy and simple to do, like oh yeah, I'll just put out this documentary, eh, wrong. It's not. Like you better pack a lunch for any product, any project you're trying, you know, to to birth. Nothing is going to come easy, and um, particularly when you're talking about one of the most challenging plant medicines and psychedelics in the world it's gonna be hard to birth a project like that and um but but i found that over and over again and it's a mistake that i think a lot of people make you know you underestimate how difficult it is to launch a company launch a project launch a product anything you know you really have to commit you have to have a great team and you have to be ready to um, overcome obstacles that come up and that's certainly been the case you know Um, i was expecting to launch this documentary 18 months ago um but different things kept coming up we kept upgrading the sound upgrading the visual effects um but finally you know we have something that i'm really proud of a really great product and it tells the story of you know one of my most epic ayahuasca experiences down with don howard out in the jungle Uh, a story i've told a few times on the jre on my own podcast on duncan trussell's podcast it was where um ayahuasca you know subtly broke me down deeper and deeper throughout the week until finally in the last session it uh it took me past my fear of death and helped me explore um my fear of being absolutely nothing ayahuasca told me that i was water borrowed from the ocean and the ocean forgot i mean that was some that was like the depths of the low you know because even when even when I would acknowledge my death in previous ceremonies or just, you know, philosophical rumination, your death, you still have this idea of your own importance, the importance of you having lived your life, the importance of your legacy, the works that would be left behind, the impact that you made. And so you can kind of hang on to that. You can hold on to that and still feel special even in your death. But ayahuasca was like, nah, uh, uh, uh-uh, bitch. <laughs> I'm gonna take that from you. You're nothing. You're not only nothing. You're the gum on nothing's shoe. And that was a gnarly. That was a gnarly surrender to that. To surrendering to being absolutely nothing. Um, but once I was able to surrender and accept that, with these soft, pitiful tears rolling down my face, um, ayahuasca made a connection with my grandmother and uh the spirit of my grandmother or at least the memory of my grandmother i don't really make a distinction between whether these things are all in my mind or whether they're actual but uh, she told me aubrey get up you know aubrey get up and um you know she told me that i still had i still had things to fight for i still had something to do and and i learned something about myself there that's been sacred it's been like the bedrock you know i known that at at the very depths when i've surrendered Everything that I hold dear the last shred of my specialness and importance surrendered all of that um, That I'd still be willing to fight and of course that fight is is metaphorical. It's the willingness to stand up to resistance You know, I had a moment like from the end of Cyrano de Bergiac where he describes all of his his enemies, you know fear greed injustice, um, delusion Ignorance, apathy—all of these enemies were like outside the door of the Maloka, which is the 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 hut that we were in ceremony, and I knew that I was willing uh, to stand up and fight against those things. And so I, I learned something about myself that at the very lowest point um, I'd be willing to fight, and that's been invaluable, you know, because inevitably in life invariably there's going to be times where you're going to be super low and you're going to be pushed with your back to the corner, you know, like an animal backed to the very brink of destruction. And you'll have to decide who you are then, and you'll have to know. And that's one of the beauties that, you know, and one of the reasons why we like sports and why we like these other challenges, Um, you know, a great fight, for example, where someone's, you know, Brought to the brink of their own dissolution, and then they come back and find some fighting spirit inside. You know, it's uh, kind of the plot to every epic movie that we've seen. You know, finding finding strength um, when all seems lost, and um, you know that was a great gift that ayahuasca gave, but an incredibly intense experience overall. And you know, that's not always what ayahuasca is going to do. Ayahuasca is going to find what you need to work on and it's that's really the magic of it and it's certainly not something that's for everybody i mean this is a trial by fire and um, it certainly comes with some dangers Um, you know not a month goes by now it seems without some kind of story coming out of an ayahuasca related injury or death Um, a lot of that is because of counter you know contraindications with different pharmaceuticals or malpractice by the shamans and practitioners or a lot of different reasons but um, it's an intense process and it comes with some risk and I think it's really important to know that you're ready that you have a calling to the medicine and that you're going to a place that practices pure medicine with true impeccability so I don't you know putting out this documentary or talking about it and telling these stories is not me recommending ayahuasca to anyone you know that is a personal choice And everybody has to decide that for themselves. Um, I would be incredibly foolish at at this point with everything that I know to just say, hey, yeah, everybody go out and do it. Now, of course, when you first do ayahuasca, and I'm no different, when you first do it and experience how amazing the healing potential and the uh, mind-opening, mind-expanding capabilities you want to proselytize it you want to go out there and preach from the highest rooftops like hey everybody come do this it's amazing um you know and i I certainly probably had a bit of that in me myself you know in the early days of ayahuasca but you know as now i've drunk 14 times about to go drink my 15th um on friday actually will be the day um you know you get a little you understand it a little bit more and you understand that it isn't for everybody and you understand that it does carry some risk and it's not it's not just holy water i mean this is this is medicine but at a certain dose and in a certain time any medicine can be poison it's the same with anything in life um you know i mean tylenol is great at reducing a fever but if you take too much it'll kill you you know there's over 900 tylenol related deaths a year so is it medicine or poison i don't know it depends on the dose depends on the person um and that's the same with ayahuasca so that's kind of my caveat but the documentary does a really great job of exploring a variety of different stories people with different fears people with different goals um whether it's depression or self-love or um you know doubt or or any kind of issues anxiety any kind of issues that are coming up and how they've kind of dealt with it following these stories one of which is uh, is my sister which is really cool uh she's in the documentary um dr dan engel um just a amber lion is in there as well and uh and of course don howard you know gandalf the white wizard so it's really a a cool a, a cool picture and um you can Stream it for free just by putting in your email. So, not going to charge anything for it. It's got a badass custom soundtrack by uh, Parangi, which uh, we released earlier, but it just weaves through the film really well. And um, you can go check that out at drinkthejungle.com and uh, that'll redirect you to the URL. And then, if you want to support the film and download it, have it on your computer, watch it on a plane or whatever you want to do, um, it's just five bucks to download it. And um, certainly that would be appreciated because this has been a long, expensive project, no doubt. Now, really cool visual effects, too. You know, one thing we noticed is that we had so much good footage, um, but the visual effects that, you know, we were trying to use on a budget didn't match. So we got a really great team, uh, Martin Stebbing and the team from W, uh, to put something together that really, you know, kind of shows a bit of what the uh, about the Ayahuasca experience can look and feel like, but of course, nothing on the screen is ever gonna match the the visuals that you will see um, when actually on the medicine. But they did a great job, and that was really cool. Also, tells a really powerful story from Mitch Schultz, the uh, director of DMT: The Spirit Molecule, who was also the director on this film. And um, so again, yeah, really cool, and. Tomorrow I go back, so it's kind of interesting timing. Um, two years mm-hmm. from when I went last went, and now I'm bringing 17 of my closest friends, family, lovers, everybody out there to um, to drink ayahuasca, and it's going to be a, a beautiful experience. And we're also going to going to have some wachuma, um, which is one of the sacred plant medicines of antiquity as well. And it comes from the San Pedro cactus. I've talked about it a bit on other avenues as well. But a really great medicine for opening up the heart, bringing people together, unifying you with your mission. You know, it's more the grandfather energy where ayahuasca is the grandmother energy. You know, ayahuasca is like the grandmother that says, come on, child, you're sick. Let me heal you, you know, and just lay back, let grandma do the work. And Wachuma is like grandfather that says, Here we go son let's go for a walk and let's present you with these challenges you know how are you going to deal with this how are you going to deal with this how are you going to deal with this that's the nature of wachuma and so it's a more active medicine you really by exploring nature and by going through the masada ceremony that don howard has cultivated you're able to face your own challenges in a more active way um, and really kind of put effort and intention more visibly and more actively into into the process rather than just simply laying back and surrendering to the experience which is what uh what ayahuasca asks so really looking forward to that it'll be my seventh wachuma ceremony which um to don howard means that i'm uh, honorarily initiated into the shavin brotherhood now what's Shaveen? so Chavin was a culture that flourished a couple thousand years ago in Peru, pre Inca. And during that time in the Chavin territories, there is no archaeological evidence of war. And one of the reasons they speculate for that is that um, the people of Chavin offered Wachuma ceremonies to all pilgrims and all travelers of the area. And Wachumas as I said a very heart opening experience it's a a serotonergic similar to MDMA so it really inculcates feelings of love and connection to your fellow um, humans to the earth to to everybody around you and in that state it definitely takes away the the delusion necessary to want to kill another person you know it really helps bring you to that highest state of consciousness which is That we are all different perspectives of the same being. That, you know, the platinum rule that I described on the Joe Rogan podcast where, you know, everybody is you just simply living a different life. So it doesn't make sense to go out and hurt somebody else, you know, because that's you. That's just you living a different life in a different circumstance. Now, does that mean that if someone breaks in your house and is trying to kill you that you shouldn't shoot them? No. You know, you have to protect yourself. I mean, I think everybody has a right for that. But the idea that you can hurt somebody without also hurting yourself, I think, is a fallacy and is a is a delusion, and I think that's one of the things that Wachuma and Chavine uh, and the Chavine culture exemplified. And it's also about um, you know helps you deal with your fear, and I think that's another thing as well. You know, in Chavine, the the symbol was a, a man transforming into a jaguar. Now, the symbology of the jaguar that's important is. In the jungle, the jaguar is fearless. It has no predators. It's the apex predator. It stalks silently in the night from the jungle treetops, and nothing is going to hunt the jaguar um, other than potentially man. But that's a recently uh, that's a recent you know development. Um, until there were guns, <laughs> you didn't want to hunt a jaguar. Uh, that was a generally a, a low probability proposition to hunt a jaguar with some kind of pointy object Um, but you know of course they would do it they would do it with arrows and things like that but in general in the natural in the natural order of things the jaguar is the apex predator of the jungle so by transforming into a jaguar which is an experience that i've had on wachuma as well you get to taste that feeling of fearlessness and when you have fearlessness that's when you have free will Um, because as much as we think we have our own ability to choose. More often than not, our fear dictates which path we go down. What we do is we're getting pushed and pulled by our fear, by our lust, by our greed. And so, to get to a point of fearlessness and stillness, truly allows you the opportunity for free will. And that's one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself: is um, complete access to to choice, to choice. Our you know our inherent superpower to do what we want with our life so you know i'm really looking forward to um to drinking wachuma again especially with so many of my closest friends and family i mean it's going to be really an amazing experience so um i'm looking forward to that and uh yeah so i'll keep you guys posted um there'll, there'll be some instagram posts and some updates and when i get back Um, I'll probably jump on uh, with Duncan and jump on with Joe and tell my latest stories, my latest visions. I know you guys like that kind of stuff and uh, my latest revelations with that. You know, there was a a point where I thought I wasn't going to do plant medicine anymore, but then I realized that um, not only do I like it still and the plants are my friends, they're my homies, (laughs) Um, but it's also like a really special experience for me to be able to share that with. You know, the people that I love, you know, it's something where I'm very comfortable with it, you know, I understand it, I understand, you know, the travel aspects, the jungle aspects, the medicine aspects, and I can go, you know, lead those people I love through amazing experiences that will help change their life for the better, and um, I enjoy that, you know, that's one of the things that I probably enjoy the most, it's one of the reasons why I'm here, so being able to do that for people is something that will probably never stop. Um, there are there was you know joe's talked about us opening up a center doing something like that i I think that's probably unlikely Um, but you know i will always let people know which centers that i go to and uh, who i find reputable right now i think for ayahuasca you know i can recommend um, blue morpho i can recommend uh, spirit quest sanctuary um you know those are those are probably the two choices that i would recommend for anybody interested and i have no financial incentives with any of these guys and i I want to keep it that way you know i don't want to be biased this is um you know this is a very sacred experience and it's um you know i don't like to um you know entangle you know monetary interests with that um of course, you know, I will take your 5 bucks to <laughs> to help support this film, but there's no way that unless this thing goes <laughs> goes crazy um that I'll ever get my money back on producing this documentary and that's fine, you know. I wanted to um, you know, put this out there and uh that was, you know, my contribution. Uh, there's different ways that you know, I've been very fortunate on it has done great and there's different ways that people like to handle charitable contributions and for me it's always going to be you know spending a little more to push out a documentary or um, support a book or or really try to elevate consciousness and you know that's going to be my contribution and everybody has theirs you know our friend Justin Wren you know for him it's getting clean water and digging wells in Africa for me it's uh, you know helping to expand consciousness and that's where I'm going to put my effort so uh, but I do appreciate you know everybody contributing by downloading the film for sure Um, certainly helps and be able to turn that around to some other project coming up undoubtedly so yeah, I'll keep you guys posted on all the uh, all the plant medicine happenings um, going on. One of the things that really has you know helped level me up uh, significantly is um, utilization of like eating Jambos, which is like a, a marijuana edible um, that my friend Jombo Joe jogananda that he's put together and it's really just a cool strain of indiga and sativa that he puts in an edible and um eating it really allows me access to a a lot of deeper truths and and that's kind of what i've been leaning towards more recently um rather than you know some of the other plant medicine experiences of course you know mushrooms are my homies as well (laughs) so um But, you know, what sustains all that is, you know, daily meditation practice that I try for. um, Spending time in the float tanks, utilization of breath. And that's not all about the plants. I have a pretty good relationship with the plants, and I'm pretty comfortable there. But plants aren't for everybody, uh, 100%. And, you know, of course, there's legal implications depending on where you are as well. And I encourage everybody to be mindful of that, for sure. Um, Because there's lots of ways to, to get to those higher states of consciousness so um but speaking of a good place (laughs) to do these medicines um, i just got back from burning man and i promised you guys that i would talk to you a little bit about burning man and uh so let's go ahead and do that now so i was a little nervous about burning man because you know everybody looks at the dust and you know plays that whole aspect up and um i've been to some gnarly places different jungles i've been to the slums in africa but i didn't really understand the concept of a white-out dust storm you know you've seen those movies like the mummy and stuff where just this wall of white is just coming towards the people and they all have to run for cover and i just kind of had that image in my mind and you know it's kind of what happens out there you know there'll be a certain point you'll be on the playa which is called the playa because burning man used to be on a beach but now it's in the salt flats in nevada on this uh so well i don't know if it's really salt but it's like this mineral bed um and anyways they call it the playa and uh we got out there and it was right in the middle of a storm you know so we had our goggles on and our handkerchief on but the dust just goes underneath the goggles gets in your eyes it goes underneath the handkerchief gets in your mouth and I was a little stressed, not gonna lie, I was a little stressed when I first arrived. Um, but you know, we had a we had an R V uh, that could shield us from that. So it certainly wasn't like camping out in a tent in the in the in the in roughing it, which which is of course what a lot of people, these these kind of burning man um, <laughs> these like burning man fanatics, they're like, Yo, you have to do it the rough way. Like I respect that you know, but I think there's always enough challenges, you know, you don't need to go out and give yourself extra challenges, you know, there's plenty of challenges in your mind, and sometimes it's easier dealing with the, in you know, external challenges than the internal challenges, and the internal challenges are really what I'm most interested in, so I had no qualms with staying in an RV, I was totally fine with that, because um, I knew there would be stuff that could come up and, you know, fun to be had and, and things to explore, Um so and then the first night, you know, when we got out there, uh really what impressed me the most was just the sheer expansiveness of it. I mean, it is massive. It's like 70,000 people. I don't know how many miles it is, but it is huge, like huge. It took us like 15 minutes in an art car to get from one end of the playa to the other end of the playa where we we're staying. It was just crazy crazy how big it was and um but you really don't get a full scope of it until it turns into night and when it turns into night everything is just lit up and i realized at that point you know at the first sunset when all the cars started going and the music and the fire and i realized that this was one of the modern marvels of the world like it's that all of this could be created out of nothing it was just a sheer testament to human ingenuity and what we're capable of and as humans like this is humans doing what we do best solving puzzles creating art building something from nothing you know packing everything needed for survival and to thrive and to play and bringing it to the most desolate place you've ever seen in your life and it was just really a a wild you know eye-opening experience to see that um And then, you know, pretty quickly, I caught kind of the vibe, like, this is straight up a ridiculously good party. (laughs) You know, like, I think uh, a lot of people play up the spiritual aspects of it. And there's certainly a lot of that there. But it's built on the foundation of just a ridiculously good party. Um, And so you, you know, jump in and start to play. I mean, amazing music, different stages, different people. But underlying this amazing party is this level of consciousness and you know i've been to different raves and different other parties and you look around on the ground at any one of these places there's cans and bottles and cigarette butts and shit is just littering the ground even in beautiful places like if you're in a forest or whatever people are just throwing trash on the ground people are drunk that's different at burning man there's not a single piece of trash on the playa that you find because everybody abides by this code that if you see anything they call it moop matter out of place if you see trash on the ground, you pick it up, you pick it up and you pack it out. You know, and so even though this is probably the worst place on earth, as far as, maybe not on earth, but it's one of the most like desolate, gnarly places, you know, with dust storms and no, nothing living at all, people are taking care of it like it's the most pristine piece of land in the world. You know, not a single piece of trash with 70,000 people raging. You know, really, really amazing. And then the other thing is that, you know, of course, nothing's for sale. Um, People talk about it being like a barter economy out there, like you have to bring your stuff and barter. It's not. It's a gifting economy. You just give people stuff and you count on the fact that they'll give you stuff. It's not like you have to have something, like you're creating some fiat currency, you know, just going, devolving back to the barter system. It's just really people helping each other out. If you're thirsty, you need a drink. You know, someone will hook you up with a drink. If you need a light, if you need a cigarette if you need a whatever you need whatever you want you know someone is there to help you out food whatever or and sometimes it's just a hug you know and it's um you know there's a saying that the playa provides and it provides because people are in such an open state that they're willing to help each other out now that said um there's also another vibe there's a vibe of the people who've been there for a long time and are resentful for all of the new people that are coming in and this is a really sad aspect that I think is only going to get worse. Imagine, you know, I, I kind of liken it to, you know, if you've been to Hawaii, there's certain beaches that if you try to surf on them, the locals will potentially fight you. You know, they'll try to beat you up. They'll they'll talk. You know, they'll yell at you. They'll they'll be mad for you for, for you going to their beach. You know, because they don't feel like you deserve it. You know, you've you've earned it or you're worthy of it. Um, and while it kind of makes sense, I guess, a little bit in, you know, if it's locals at a beach and they don't want tourists to kind of overrun it and, and take that from them, it's kind of sad to see that on the playa because it really goes against the principles of just really humans loving each other and experiencing, you know, consciousness and play in a, in a, on the most massive scale. and and we've seen that vibe and there was that article that came out about some vandalism of some one of the wealthier camps and um by some of the other uh, burning man people and it's a bummer you know it's a bummer that there's that kind of resentment building um because that's not what this experiment is about you know i think it's really important that you know one of the dark sides of tribalism is this idea that you know my tribe is cool but everybody else fuck them you know and and that's something that can develop and and that's something that leads to wars and leads to the nationalism and leads to racism and leads to all of these different things where you're looking at somebody as different than you and fuck that person for being different than you it's even part of like cultural appropriation you know like when when someone from one culture looks at somebody else who you know isn't trying to hurt that culture but is actually expressing themselves in a way That is at least on some small level appreciation, you know, for the culture. And then they go out and shame them and get mad. You don't, you don't deserve to wear that. Wow, you're appropriating our culture. And they get so mad instead of, you know, reaching a handout to build that bridge. They're just reinforcing the separateness that has been the major problem of this planet for so long you know, I mean, we have all of the available resources necessary to help each other. But as long as we look at each other as separate, as long as we look at each other as different as my tribe versus your tribe, I deserve this, but you don't, then we're going to continue to hoard these resources and not share them. We're going to continue to go to wars, we're going to continue to to fight with each other. And that's only going to lead to the destruction and pain of our fellow humans, but the earth as well. The earth is like the innocent bystander caught in the crossfire of all of this separateness, and you know, so what needs to happen at Burning Man is, is for you know everybody there um, to embrace the new people who are coming and show them the way, uh, the way and the love that um, that they can feel there, and, and that's going to make the biggest impression. You know, I mean, separateness and and anger and is never going to have a positive benefit. It's never going to have a positive effect it's the last resort in defending yourself but you know it's not the best it's not the best play ever so it was a shame to kind of see that but that was really really behind the scenes and I think that that article um really got popularity because a lot of people want to find a reason not to like Burning Man you know maybe it's um maybe they feel like they feel bad because they haven't been yet and they don't want to think that they missed out on anything there's, i don't know why but there's a lot of people who want to like pretend that burning man isn't awesome but burning man's fucking awesome it's like the best party ever and it has an underlying level of consciousness which is really cool so while there is some of that negative stuff that you would find you know when you know that comes from jealousy and separateness and that kind of dark side of tribalism really it's a lot of love there and uh, an expression of some really cool stuff I mean, you'll just be cruising around, and I cruised around, and I saw this like complete, um, <laughs> complete Thunderdome model, which was amazing. And there's these two topless chicks with these foam sticks, and there's playing heavy metal, and they're going at each other and battling each other with these sticks. And then you'll go to some other spoken word live music violin stage. This was all in the same night. You're like cruising down the the, the strip, you know, like kind of the, the esplanade they call it, which is like the inner circle. And you go from the thunderdome to violin spoken word to you know meditation to um skrillex playing on a stage to it's just a it's just a crazy crazy explosion of enjoyment you know and i really had a blast there and i think you know one of the best nights of my life was probably my fourth night we had an amazing crew and made some great friends out there people who you know actually two of which are going to peru with me um people who i'll be friends with forever you know and just bonding in that in that way uh, in a way where there's just no judgment no time commitments you just do what exactly what you want to do you don't have to be anywhere you don't have to do anything your only directive is just to play like just to enjoy yourself have the best fucking time you possibly can and that's what everybody's abiding by And yeah, there's dust and stuff, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, I got—I had to tow someone like a mile in a dust storm whose electronics skateboard uh, (laughs) died, and so I towed her like a mile in the middle of a dust storm and got a bunch of dust in my lungs. But so what? You know, you heal and you're fine. And I actually, despite you know not a lot of sleep and a good amount of partying, I, I felt fine when I returned. Uh, from burning man and plus the art there god man the art is amazing and i posted a bunch of those photos to instagram but really incredible um what the people there have put together and and a lot of it is is not even permanent you know a lot of it goes up in flames and that's you know like the buddhist uh, sand mandalas and sand paintings um it's just to be enjoyed temporarily like life kind of a reminder that everything in life is temporary and uh and that's a beautiful reminder there as well i mean these amazing temples where people leave memorials and memories and all of that goes up and all of that goes up in flame and uh you know you vanish from that place without a trace so you know a lot of beautiful sentiment that comes there um on the backdrop of just a, a really really dope party so i'll be going back for sure you know it's um it was just too good you know the The friendships that I made the fun that I had everything that happened there uh, is something that I'm just looking forward to continuing to experience so yeah I have to give uh, I was a little skeptical of Burning Man you know for sure but I definitely give two thumbs up and I'm not going to get all crazy about it and you know there's a really funny video about uh about like this guy coming back from Burning Man and people asking about it and, and people get a little fanatical about that um which is fine too but it was awesome you know there's just no doubt about it it was awesome from the art to the parties to everything there i really really loved it so then the you know the the other things that you know i've been playing with are just um different philosophical concepts and um, i've really been kind of looking into um what love really is and i think lo- there's a lot of misconceptions about love and you know having this open relationship with Whitney um, where we do have other lovers has really put that to the test. And at the final conclusion, you know, ultimately love is truly wanting another person's happiness, you know, no matter what at all cost. And, and that's the real nature of love. But I think we've really lost that concept. You know, there's a lot of societal constructs about what love is, um, you know, love hurts is, was one of them. You know, that's such a funny thing. Like, how does love hurt? That doesn't make any sense. You know, why should love hurt? You know, that's not love. If it hurts, that's attachment. That's ego. That's, you know, your own image of yourself that gets threatened when a lover leaves you. Um, But love doesn't hurt. And, you know, real love, clean love is loving somebody somebody so much that regardless of you you just want them to be happy you just truly want them to be happy and you know in a lot of traditional relationships you know everybody says oh yeah she's my best friend or he's my best friend okay well does your best friend want you to be happy no matter what you know is that really the foundation of it because that's what a best friend should do that's what your primary ally should do they should just want you to be happy And so the ideal for any relationship in my mind and the ideal for love is a word that david data um i don't know if he coined but it's called compersion and that's getting pleasure from another person's pleasure it doesn't matter if you caused that pleasure you know you don't have to take ownership of it you're just happy for that other person so if that means they're getting pleasure with somebody else or they're getting pleasure however which way they're getting pleasure you're just happy for them you know that's to me The epitome of really clean love and of course an open relationship really puts that to the test you know because there's a lot of jealousy and possessiveness and things that get challenged um, in that kind of container and that's been a a beautiful process to to be a part of super super challenging you know I mean having the person that you live with and you love go and be with another another lover is incredibly hard you know (laughs) incredibly hard and you know I'm not going to go too much into the intimate personal details of my relationship but you know you have to face down some of the most challenging demons but ultimately the only way out is to just be happy for that person be happy for not only your partner but be happy for the person that they were with that they were able to share something so positive now of course if someone hurts your lover well you know feel free to you know snarl the teeth and pull out the claws you know like if someone hurts the person you're with that's a different story but if someone gives pleasure to the person you're with why is that person your enemy you know why do you want to beat up somebody who gave pleasure and happiness to somebody you love that doesn't make any fucking sense you know it's like they gave them they shared a gift and enjoyment together but you want to hurt them for that like that's not love you know that's ego that's delusion that's bullshit so it's been a really interesting process, kind of you know looking at that and um, and testing those principles, you know, testing your ability to really love someone um, with compersion or or what I, you know, call mutual altruism, where you just really want the best for another person. And that's been a been a really cool process to go through that, and I, I plan on um, you know putting that together in a book form at some point, and and really laying out you know the the failures the triumphs of that journey because i've certainly fallen on my face a bunch of times <laughs> and trying to make this you know trying to discover this and trying to sort out you know what love really means and whether i can can love someone in that way you know really see them as me living a different life it's again it goes back to the same principles of consciousness like once you see somebody as you living a different life then you just want them to be happy like no matter what that means no matter what How? no matter who's doing it no matter what that takes no matter if that means that you got to get the fuck out of their life like if that's the move you got to make you got to make that move if you love somebody for real you know so it's just interesting you know we have these ideas love hurts you know love is pain what no it's not you know love is love love is fucking awesome so if you have any of those other ideas it's not love it's something else It's something else masquerading as love So that's been fun um you know another one of my favorite paradoxes is when people say fear god fear god and love hurts (laughs) probably the two biggest fallacies of all time you know i mean and i don't want to get too deep into the into religious discussion but you know we're all god life is god you know god is is all of us everything good love truth fear that why would you fear that you know, it's just this idea of the judge masquerading as God and delusion masquerading as love, ego masquerading as love. It's not, it's not it. If you have to fear God, it's not the right God, you know. And if love hurts, it's not the right love. You know, you're confusing the word for something else. And I think that's, you know, those are two misconceptions that I think bring people a lot of suffering, you know the uh Don Miguel calls love the fallen angel because of everything that people ascribe to love that isn't real and and a great you know great book if you guys want to read that is um uh, the mastery of love by Don Miguel Ruiz really set the foundation for this as well as the Toltec art of life and death another book by Don Miguel Ruiz beautiful explication of of what that is so that's been a really cool process of what's going on um exploring that playing with that and uh And trying to myself, you know, become a master of love, loving myself, loving others in a truly impeccable way, in a way that isn't entangled with all of my own insecurities and ego and everything like that. And, you know, open relationships certainly isn't for everybody. It's certainly, again, like ayahuasca, it's like a trial by fire. You know, it's going to bring up all the fucking demons and you're going to have to look at those. And decide and decide if you're a warrior at heart and willing to to face those demons and overcome them with forgiveness and and the ability to honestly look at yourself and look at every every shadow that you have in your soul Um, and you know that's that's a, a path that I've chosen to take and it's been incredibly rewarding you know I the the greatest gifts that I have have been have come from You know, finding points of resistance, whether it's the plants or whether it's relationship or whatever it is. And just honestly and humbly looking at that and realizing that, you know, I'm going to fuck up a lot and I do a lot. And it's that that's okay. We all do. You know, we don't need to be perfect. You know, and and I think we have this judge in our mind that tells us that we need to be perfect and will punish us if we're anything less than perfect but that's nonsense, you know, we're all just human, you know, and that's all, that's all we are, and just accepting that, and forgiving yourself, and, uh, and then moving, moving past that, you know, I, I can't say this quote enough, but it comes from Heraclitus, no man steps in the same river twice, because it's not the same river, and he's not the same man, you know, we're always changing, we're a different self all the time, you know, I've seen people rapidly transform in the matter of 10 days after three years of struggle and and difficulty you know advancing past certain principles and then boom like a quantum leap they're a different human being and it's not just with the plants it's just sometimes by choice so at any different point we can be a different self you know we are different selves you know this idea of self is i think another fallacy as well like you have this thing like we're one self well are you the same self when you're sick and tired and Emotionally charged as you are when you're, you know, after a great meditation or a workout and you're feeling great and your life is good. Are you that? Are you the same self? You know, if you took away everything that, you know, the tone of your voice and the look of your body, would some stranger say that that's the same person? Hell no. You know, we're a different self all the time. And I think acknowledging that is important. And that the ability to change and the ability to choose which self you are and evolve you know we all have that ability and that's another thing that you know i've really been playing with is these these human fallacies and that's one of them these, the the fallacy of of absolutes like like we are one self no we're not we're many selves the, the fallacy of like light and dark guilty or innocent you know these kind of judge concepts like take the idea of guilty or innocent like for the legal system obviously that's important because there's certain punishments that you know that need to make sense but everything is really on a sliding scale and we just decide which category and which bucket it goes in you know is someone ever completely innocent or is someone ever completely guilty probably not you know let's say someone didn't commit a crime like let's say the crime was um uh aggravated assault so you know somebody got mugged or something like that let's say the person didn't commit the crime but you know did that person live in a way that um so they're innocent right but did that but perhaps that person um at the same token you know was super angry and belittled some different people and and lived in a way that that you know spread the hate and anger like a virus that led to that led to somebody assaulting someone you know so there's a little bit of guilt there you know despite the fact that they're innocent and there's on the converse if someone's guilty of something you know how much of what they of what they had you know or how much of the environment and how much of all of the other factors at play led them to that road so you know in some aspects they're a little bit innocent you know but we just decide this light and dark guilty innocent really everything is on a sliding scale and it's important yeah i get it some people you know there should be retribution and and punishment for certain actions i'm not saying that we shouldn't have these symbols but we make up these symbols so that it makes sense in our mind and that we can function but the symbols really don't apply everything is on a sliding scale and and that's something interesting to remember that you know you can't just categorize something as good bad light dark silent loud you know it's all really a matter of um you know variance on, on a sliding scale everything has like the yin yang symbol everything within the light has a little bit of dark and within the dark has a little bit of light you know and um i think that's important to important to remember another one of the fallacies that i think humans hang on to is the fallacy of permanence you know we act as if time is not going to strip everything that we love away from us at some point anyways you know one of the one of the funny aspects of permanence is like people will be working on a project like working on their house for example like their house will be under construction for like 20 years (laughs) you know they'll be constantly doing stuff and this construction is super annoying But it's this idea like they're willing to sacrifice 20 years of their house being in chaos for some payout, some idea that when it's finished, it's all going to be awesome and it's going to be permanently awesome forever and they're going to love it forever. Well, no, they've just sacrificed 20 years of time because all there is is the journey. All there is is the process. You know, people do that with work too. They're like, oh, work super hard. Life sucks. Life sucks, but I'll get to retire. Well, the retirement isn't permanent. You know, the retirement is just temporary as well. So it's all about the quality of life through the process. Nothing is permanent. And relationships too, like a relationship, people break up and all of a sudden that relationship was a failure. What? What do you mean? Like, or they're working on something and with this idea that if they get it right, you know, it's going to be permanently good. Nothing is permanent. It's just all about how many seconds you can enjoy, like how many moments you can be present. You know, that's the, only, that's the only thing there is. Nothing is permanent. Death will take all the things that we love and every castle that we've built and turn it to dust. And that may sound depressing, but it's really not. It's just life. You know, it's why the samurai loved the symbol of the cherry blossom tree because it blooms so briefly and the bloom is beautiful, but you can't hang on to it. It won't be bloomed forever. And that's like life. So, you know, really, it's all about how many opportunities to be present, how many opportunities to play. And really, that's what it's about. You know, this is the best video game we could ever make. Life is 100%. And sometimes we forget that we're here to play. Like everything becomes so serious, like this relationship and then what this person said and what they did and everything becomes all serious and the consequences get all crazy. no let's just play you know we're here to play like have fun build stuff share love like do cool shit but remember that we're here to play don't take it so seriously you know put out as much positivity as you can enjoy as much as you can but enjoy it or else why do it you know why even be here if we're not here to play and what a hell of a playground we have i mean this is the best playground we can imagine think of all the foods i mean just going to whole foods or a great grocery store like that like there's just countless pleasures on the shelves from bottles of wine and cheese and food and grass-fed steaks and chips and whatever the fuck you want you can get And that's just food that's just one pleasure that's just pleasure coming into your mouth you know imagine all the other pleasures the sounds that can come into your ears the sights that your eyes can see the things that your body can touch and feel the activation of the neurotransmitters on various different beautiful substances that the plant kingdom is produced but we forget to play and I, and I think that's something that's important for all of us to remember to just play and then the last fallacy is control you know we think that we're we want to have control of everything we want to have control of ourselves of other people of Of the environment of you know we can control what we can control what whatever is possible for us to but understand that there is no such thing as control at any given moment an asteroid can come and take away everything that we're in control of and that's okay too like it's okay to not be in control and i know it feels it feels like things are risky when you're not in control Um, but if you surrender this belief that you need control then you just live you just live in the present you know and again it just goes back to the present moment you know don't worry about trying to control everything control what you can and and let the rest go you'll be a lot happier that way you know i think there's a lot of people who won't fly a, won't fly in a plane because they're not piloting the plane and they're not in control whatever you're not in control anyways even if you're driving some fucking truck can just cross the lines and run into you and you won't have time to react you're not in control you're not ever in control so don't worry about it you know so permanence absolutes and control i think are are three of the human fallacies and another area that you know i really get tripped up in is is just playing small you know when you get caught up in these kind of your own insecurities and your own fears it, it almost like it makes you small you forget that you're you know this cosmic traveler in this human meat suit you know and and this is just one of the many experiences you have i mean look back on your life there's been so many times in in my life i can look back on mine so many times that i was so stressed out about all kinds of different things like incredibly stressed out like world was ending stressed out like heart you know heart pounding in my chest and depressed and ruminating and oh my god how am i gonna do this i don't even remember those fucking things i've had thousands of them i don't even remember them life is good now like what was i worried about you know yeah you know premeditate plan for the worst be prepared you know i'm not saying don't be prepared but don't stress out so fucking much doesn't help anything you know just come up with a plan whatever your plan is do the fucking plan you know everything works out you're all of us here listening are virtually batting a hundred you know we're batting a thousand we've made it out alive regardless of whatever stress or whatever shit was going on we've made it out fine so have a little faith you know choose that faith over fear choose faith that even if you can't understand it even if you don't even know how it's going to work out that most likely it's going to work out we're going to be okay you're going to be okay And, um, you know, that's one of the lessons that that I've learned with experience. It's still hard. You know, shit comes up and you think it's going to end the world, but it doesn't. Um, You just come up with a plan. You figure it out. You do your best. Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you get unlucky. Sometimes it resolves faster than others. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's going to leave a scar. You know, I'm not saying you're not going to have scars. All of us have scars. But that's cool, too. That's life. You know, you don't go to battle and not get scars. If you do, you're not battling hard enough you're going to fall, you're going to fail, you're going to get fucked up. That's okay. It's all good. And I guess, you know, that's that's the process and it's a process of remembering and forgetting. I can say all this on the podcast, but you could find me on a given day and I could be, you know, in my own funk and depression and and everything's fucked and I'm fucked and I suck and and i could you could find me in that state it's not that i don't know better it's just that at that moment delusion has taken hold and is winning against truth but when you have that truth and when you have those truths that you can fall back on you can find your way out a lot easier and um, and that's what i'm finding you know i'm the happiest i've ever been right now at this point and that's you know a testament to to just building the foundation stronger having these truths that i can fall back on and then helping the people around me you know with these truths i can have people that i know who will say something that i said and say it back to me and just because it's coming from them i'll be like oh yeah you're right you know like that's right or they'll have their own way to look at it and their own beautiful way to help help me out and that's why it's important to surround yourself with people who you know can help you and share that you know share that ability to to help you rise out of the depths and to help you deal with your own fears. And you know, a lot of times people will surround themselves with the opposite, people who will prey on those from their own jealousies and their own real desires to actually see you fail. You know, so many people around you want really want to see you fail. They're not even aware of that, but their own jealousies and their own pain and their own shit just causes you, you know, they will infect you with ideas and fears like a virus. You know, that shit's infectious. And I've seen that in relationship too, you know, especially when trying an unconventional relationship like an open relationship, you know, you'll see the people who will try and feed, you know, feed into your fear and feed into your insecurity and, and look for the drama and the destruction that that can come because it challenges them. It challenges their ideas and, and they don't want that and they don't want to see you succeed. And you have to be really careful with that and be really careful with what you're watching on TV too, you know like the Kardashians and the reality shows and Housewives and all of that shit. I mean, be careful with that because those ideas are infectious, whether you believe it or not. You know, you think you might be laughing at them, but in some way they're, you're gonna pattern a little bit of behavior off of what you see. So, you know, surrounding yourself with people of consciousness is going to pay incredible dividend. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about bringing 17 people I know and love to peru is because we're all going to be able to interact and level up together and so you know planning things where you're going floating with your friends or doing um holotropic breathing with your friends or going to a retreat or meditating or camping or whatever it is like bring up your people with you you know and and that'll really help things a lot because um, you know we're social creatures and it's really great to have your tribe Um, surrounding you and supporting you in that way Ah. well i think um i'm tired of hearing myself talk (laughs) but hopefully you guys have enjoyed you know this solo cast um i got so much love and appreciation for for everybody here and i get to meet so many cool people and you all say so many nice things and i'm just honored to be able to do my part you know i'm not perfect you know don't look at me like i got it all figured out or (laughs) um you know idolize me in any way i'm just like any one of y'all you know i'm just doing my best and and trying my trying my best that's really all you can do you know just try your best understand that you're gonna fail understand that you're gonna fuck up and that's that's all i'm doing you know and um but i appreciate uh everybody out there and hearing from all of you is always awesome so i got nothing but love and uh i'll keep you guys posted from the jungle and um yeah keep up with me on social and love y'all talk to you later peace